Christine Garvin, and welcome to the 2019 Hormones Summit. So excited that you're here with us. I have been able to do so many amazing interviews with hormone experts from around the world, and I feel so lucky uh, in that and working with these incredible women that I've learned so much from that share their knowledge so freely and are so um, ahead of the game when it comes to this stuff as compared to a lot of what's out there. So I hope that you've been learning a lot this week, just like I have. And I'm super, super excited to introduce my guest today. And I just have to say, so I came across this group on Facebook called the Estrogen Dominant Support Group probably earlier this year when I was trying to figure out my way post-fibroid. And I joined this group and I was like, oh my God, there's just so much incredible information. It's insane. And then I learned the person that started this group is Kitty Marshrone. And A, the fact that she even deals with the amount of people and the stuff that's in there, like it's incredible. Like I can't imagine trying to navigate all that. And she's so wonderful and giving with, with her time and, um, and information in that group. And so I needed to know more. So I learned that she had a podcast that is called Stuff Your Doctor Should Know. And it's an awesome, awesome podcast. I listen to it all the time. I've gone back and listened to all the old ones. She got, she's got great co-hosts. And even just like the ones that don't have to do with hormones, I love, love listening to them. So I definitely want you to check that out. As soon as we're done with this interview, go ahead and um, get on iTunes or whatever and subscribe to that. And then she's also known as the Healthy Gut Girl. And she's actually written two books now. And one just came out very recently, so you should definitely go check those out. And she also does one-on-ones, which is crazy to me with all the other things that she's doing. And she's in a TV show right now, too. So if you need help with hormone testing, particularly the Dutch, she is the woman to talk to. So... Without further ado, I want to welcome today Miss Kitty Martrone. Hey, hello. <laughs> Thanks. That was a great introduction. Oh, good. Oh, I, got, I should got to listen to that again and, and remind myself of those things sometimes, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Sometimes it's really good to hear other people talk about you, right? Then you're yeah, like, yeah. I've done a lot. Wow. Oh, she's cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, thank you so much for being here with me today. I'm so excited about this topic and I was so excited that you agreed to talk about this topic because personally with my clients, this comes up a lot, right? Especially those that are, you know, hit their mid thirties, their late thirties, and they're like, what the hell is going on here? Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot come in being like, okay, I've heard about this, you know, bioidentical progesterone. And then some others are like, my doctor has told me this is just what it is. And I got to deal with, you know, perimenopause being like this. Yeah. And options. And so that's why I think this, uh, you know, information is so important. So can we just get going with like what it all, it's all about and how it can help women? Let's do it. Jump in. The water's great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what was the question? (laughs) You're like, uh, that was way too much of an introduction to the question. Just tell us a little bit about what bioidentical progesterone is is, and Mm -hmm. in what ways it, it can help women. Well, let's first let's let's definitely first talk about the fact that progesterone is has for ages has been referred to as a female sex hormone and it's definitely not that. It is a hormone that uh, is a precursor to testosterone and estrogen and aldosterone and um, uh, cortisol and um, men make it in their testes, we make it in our ovaries, but we also make small amounts in our glial cells in our brain. And this is something that a lot of doctors don't know. A lot of medical doctors just don't know. And they think that it's just a hormone that's related to female sex, you know, female sex hormone in pregnancy. And that right there is a huge problem because it's not the case. Um, first of all, uh, there's, it's, it's secreted in the ovaries, like I said. It's, um, it regulates gene expression. Um, it has this uh, really positive effect on cell differentiation in the body and growth and antioxidant. And it's, um, 
uh, anti-inflammatory and uh, it has positive effects on the nervous system. And what they noticed in 2006 was they did all of, they did these studies on, um, they were having no success with traumatic brain injury patients and they had uh, tried everything and they started to do intravenous um, uh, sessions of progesterone on these patients and having like tremendous effect and seeing, uh, and these were mostly men, by the way, wow. having like massive reduction in inflammation in the brain, um, incredible positive effects on memory loss and uh, on cognition and motor function even. And um, noticing that at 1800 milligrams a day intravenously inject injections, there were no side effects. Wow. So this, that's when they started to say, wait a second, you know, this is a tremendous um, hormone that seems to not have any, any negative side effects. So, uh, so, so, so there's that. And then there's the idea that uh, the medical community does not differentiate between uh, progestins and progesterone. And this is the thing that you're, that you're frustrated with, I'm frustrated with. The reason I started the group is because I was saying, wait a second, there's something's wrong here. All of this research that I'm seeing that's valid, scientific, backed up, all these wonderful papers that I'm reading about progesterone, and here my doctor is saying it causes blood clots and cancer. What is the problem here? Mm-hmm. And I... I figured out on my own here and now I'm starting to see a lot more authors and people in the field talk about what's happening is the the pharmaceutical companies that fund a lot of these colleges a lot of these universities they don't have any there's no reason for them to differentiate between the two and so uh, states like California wonderful California have lumped progestins and progesterone into the same category and they're calling it a carcinogen Mm. so when I mean every and I mean every single doctor that I have ever been to some of the best I mean in Beverly Hills like doctors to the stars you name it have looked me straight in the eye and said there is no difference between progesterone and progestins and this is I mean I was to the point where I would leave in tears because I I wanted to fight with them but I wanted you know but I have respect for they know a lot more than me in in most ways and but this, and not in this way, and and we know now that this is not the case. So I stumbled upon progesterone therapy, um, thank God, uh, and started to experiment. And I just became my own guinea pig because I was at the end of my rope. I literally had no other direction to go except for a hysterectomy, mm-hmm. and I was, and then to get on synthetic hormones. And I just refused. I, I was at the point where I was like, I'll die first. I really will because mm-hmm. I know it's not the answer. So I kind of went off in a different direction there, no, but yeah, that's, that's all really where it started. Because, you know, I've definitely had just recently a couple of clients where I get into the, um, the little, you know, tug of war because I'm like, okay, so based on all these different things, I think some bioidentical progesterone may be helpful in this situation. And their OBGYN is saying, you know, yeah, the cancer thing, they're saying it's like being on birth control, and mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's causing, you know, ovarian cysts and these kinds of things. And so it's, it's so frustrating to, to try and do this education, right? And, and I know the doctors are, you know, ultimately trying to do right, but they're just not educated on this particular subject. Right. Yeah. Super important. They're misinformed is what's really, you know, and that's hard to say because, you know, I feel very humble and very, and I I try to maintain that humility when I'm dealing with doctors because my husband's a doctor and I know what he's been through. I know his level of education versus mine. Mm -hmm. And I know that there's a level, you know, there's just a level of respect and humility. Then, so I don't want to get into it with them. You know, I don't, I feel like it's not my place to. And, um, and I respect their opinions. And so, you know, I walk away and then I, I'm there on my own treating myself because what else can you do? Right. You know? 
Right. And so that's kind of what started you to lead the group too, right? Absolutely. So I was in uh, the body ecology. So my whole background is gut health, basically, and mineral balance. And that's where my education is. And um, I started working with the author of Body Ecology Diet, Donna Gates. And we, um, together, I I learned so much from her. And uh, there was a group um, already on Facebook called the Estrogen, I'm sorry, the uh, Body Ecology Diet Support Group. I was in that group to share what I knew, and uh, I started. I was going through my own serious life changes, physical life, cha- you know, health changes, um, which I think is is. I should stop and say, you know, at around thirty eight years old, it's really, really normal for hormone levels, especially progesterone, to just crash mm-hmm. in women. It's really common, and we're seeing it now, even younger, especially. Again, going back to traumatic brain injury, especially if you've had any kind of TBI, you've had any kind of ongoing low-grade infection in the body, um, EBV, herpes, Lyme, uh, dental infection, any kind of low-grade infection, PTSD, uh, (laughs) traumatic stress, right, right, anything like that, um, these things start to make that progesterone crash happen much earlier because the body is recruiting the progesterone to help with to to make cortisol and to make testosterone and um and in order to help reduce inflammation in the body and to help heal the body and that leaves us with an empty tank of progesterone much sooner than we're meant to be without and um so that was happening to me at the time that I was just healing my gut. I had done years of work of gut health and I was getting tremendous results with my health, just being feeling healthier and thriving more than I ever had. And then, um, and then all of a sudden I started having these awful, awful hormone problems and fibroids and endo and, um, you know, in, I had suffered from infertility my whole life and uh, miscarriages and it just, it just exponentially grew at 38. And by 40, I was anemic, uh, hemorrhaging, bleeding for an entire month. It was just crazy. I'm like, what? I've just spent years dealing with my health. What is going on? This is bad. Yeah. Yeah. So I was in the healthy, in the, uh, the, the, the body ecology support group and hormones kept coming up. It came up no matter what was going on with every single woman in their lives, hormones came up. And I started, and that's when I stumbled upon progesterone therapy. And I thought I started to have amazing success right away, right away. Mm-hmm. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to start a group because I was kind of hijacking Angela Shelley's uh, body ecology group. I was like, I'm so sorry. These are turning into hormone conversations. She's like, it's fine. She was so supportive. And I just, I just sort of annexed it and started my own group. And, and it went to like, it went from like 15 people to like 150 people in a couple of weeks. And wow. then it just caught, and now it's at like 11,800 or something. And that's yeah. without very little promotion. Pardon? And it's very active too. It's not just. Very. I was, I just found those analytics on Facebook. I didn't even know there was such a thing uh, to look at those stats. And um, yeah, it's over, over half of the group is active. That's, that's uh, incredible. Yeah. And yeah. it really goes to show that so many women are facing this, right? And that they need exactly. help. Yeah. So, you know, what are some of the things that you started to notice once you started taking bioidentical progesterone? Well, Actually, I should... Explain what it is for those that don't know. If they're, okay. Never even heard of it. Yeah. So bioidentical progesterone is a progesterone, this hormone that we make in our bodies, but it's made from a plant sterile and it can be... Uh, it's a compound in a plant that's usually soy or wild yam, ca- certain types of cactus um, that they can extract this plant sterile from, and from it they can synthesize, but not in a, in a in a synthetic way that they would make a progestin. They just they extract it from this plant, and then they uh, make a um, progesterone, let's say molecule that's identical to the one that we produce in our own bodies. Whereas progestins are not that. They are, um, they're synthesized, but they, when you, if you looked at them in, under a microscope, they wouldn't look anything like our own bioidentical progesterone. Mm-hmm. And though they can be helpful, and a lot of people have been on the pill, that's what's in the pill like Provera, um, and the mini, the mini, uh, mini pill, uh, and the marina coil, I mean, I could go on with the list of where progestins are. Um, they can be helpful, and a lot of women have, ne- have never seemed to have issues with these things. 
uh, they aren't bioidentical. So they don't operate in our bodies the way that our own progesterone does, which is why we have side effects like blood clotting, um, high blood pressure, heart attacks, cancer, all these things can be related to taking progestins. It says it in the packet. I'm not even just making this up. This is, you know, this is part of what birth control, uh, the side effects are. Um, it's why you're not supposed to smoke when you're on the pill because it increases your risk of heart disease and heart attack exponentially, which is wow. shocking, right? Yeah. And that's because our bodies are like, what is this? It's like progesterone's ugly cousin, but it's all I have, so I'm going to use it, you know, and that's what it does. And it tries to sort of um, just survive. And then uh, it's the same with estrogens. There are estrogens that are also synthesized from things like horse urine, and that's called Premarin. And uh, same thing. It's like it looks like estrogen. Our body treats like a xenoestrogen. That's a perfect segue there because xenoestrogens are estrogens that are in our environment and chemicals and beauty products and whatnot that act like the body says, hey, that looks like an estrogen. I'd better handle it like an estrogen. And all of a sudden, you're having this excess estrogen that's not even really estrogen. Mm -hmm. So progest a bioidentical is just a healthy version of what we already make, if that's a simplify that. Absolutely. And yeah. so there's kind of different forms that you can get it in, right? And yeah. There's yeah. one way that you can get it through your doctor, true? Yeah, so those are compounded um, RX prescriptions that your doctor will generally recommend. They aren't usually as clean as some of the products that we use in our, you know, like Ona's in the group that we use is a is a very clean. Um, she goes out of her way to use these these ingredients that are not harmful. Um, but you know, the the reality is this is a tiny side note is sometimes you can't you can't use perfectly pure products. They don't assimilate very well in the body. I'm talking about the carriers and the things that are in it to preserve it and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you have to kind of um, use a product that might have some things that aren't ideal because if you use one that has too many clean or pure things, it makes it harder to absorb. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've learned about a lot of, not just progesterone, but creams, um, beauty creams, all kinds of things that you're trying to use in the body, they, they can be perfectly pure and they're just, they just sit in your body like, okay, yeah, it's almost like, it, yeah, because yeah. yeah. yeah, it's got a job, right? It's, it's trying to help you absorb, it's trying to preserve the product. So we look for the best of both worlds, really. Mm -hmm. And then there's also, so there's, there's transdermal creams, mm -hmm. uh, there is intravenous and injections, which those would be from your doctor. And those are probably the most uh, easily assimilated and the most absorbable would be those. Then you, the next would, pardon. Sorry, you can't imagine you find those too many places though, right? No. And I can't imagine a doctor who is, you know, that ahead of his, ahead of his time, except for these doctors that were, you know, working on traumatic brain injury patients who would even be like, oh yeah, here's some, yeah, but you know what? They'll send a man home with a bunch of testosterone injections to, so he can build up muscle, won't they? Of course. But, yeah. And work on his libido and prostate and whatnot. But you know, would they send us home with progesterone injections? I, I, never. Not, yeah. not in our lifetimes will we see that. Um, and that's a shame because, wow, can you imagine? Can you imagine if when your hormone problem started back in the day like mine, if you would have had access to progesterone injections? I would have had to get over the needle first, but oh my goodness, right. my life would be so different now. You're cruising through your 40s, right? You would be like really like, because I feel like emotionally, Minus, you know, how your hormones impact your, um, your emotions and, you know, in other realms, like your forties are really, you finally know who you are as a woman. Yeah. You know, you're finally like, okay, this is the path that I'm on. I'm happy with it. I figured out my work and my relationships, you know, for the most part, but then we get smacked across the face with the yeah. insane changes in our hormones. Leveled with PCOS and depression and anxiety and you know, fibroids and bleeding. Yeah, it's amazing. It's it's almost if I if I didn't know any better, I'd think it was designed this way. But I'm, <laughs> I'm not that kind of conspiracy theorist. Sort of. Maybe I am. <laughs> just a little, just a little, just a little bit. <laughs> so, um, but you know, and it's it's a uh, it's a shame because I think you know a lot of women are suffering terribly and. 
and they would love to try it. So anyway, going back, so then there's the injections, intravenous, um, and then, you know, those regular, like something you would inject yourself. And then there is uh, suppositories, which would be the next most absorbable uh, form of it. And then, and even this is, is debatable. Like there's people, there's doctors out there who are like, no, 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 no. The pill, the oral, the oral form of progesterone is the most absorbable, but it isn't, um, Anyway, so then we go to transdermal, which are the creams, and then the oils. Oh, there's also the tro the troches and the uh, sublingual oils that you can put in your mouth and um, that you don't necessarily swallow that get absorbed and don't have to go through the liver because oral is the is the least absorbable, and that's because it has to go through the liver and get digested through the through the gut. And um, when it does that, it gets broken up into these metabolites that have side effects. And for some women. Um, those side effects are great. Like uh, it makes a lot of women drowsy and sleepy, so they're able to sleep better. But some women have nausea and some women are sleepy throughout the day, so that's mm -hmm. a problem. So the oral I've, I've seen in my five years of running the group with 11,000 women, I've seen that the pill has by far the most side effects, unwanted side effects in terms of uh, also the the percentage of uh, progesterone that you end up absorbing and utilizing at the end of that pill is less. Yeah. So it's something like, I can't remember the exact percentage and I, I don't want you to quote me on it, but it's very low. Mm -hmm. um, so women have to take a lot more and the pill comes from the doctor. So the doctor's very rarely going to give you that much too. Yeah, right. So I'm usually advising people to do or suggesting that people do both Do If you're taking the pill, I keep saying the pill, if you're taking the progesterone bioidentical pill um, to then also add the cream and check with your doctor on that too. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So those are the different forms to use. That's, yeah, it's um, interesting while you were talking, I was thinking, man, somebody could do studies just from the estrogen dominant support group. Right? Like, because my husband just said that yesterday. <laughs> because there's, I mean, that's a, you know, a good amount of people. And uh -huh. then you get five years of this feedback from people on things so that you actually yeah. really can say, okay, this is what we're finding works for the most women. You know, yeah. this is what we're finding has the most side effects. And yeah, I mean, I can put it into age group. I can put it into length of time they've done it, what else they're doing in their lives, if they've had infection, what are, their, what are the other variables and the control groups. I mean, oh my gosh, it would be amazing, but I just don't have the capacity for that. Well, researchers, <laughs> contact Kitty. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's I mean, that would be amazing, but yeah, that was a little off subject, but um yeah, so now that we kind of understand what bioidentical progesterone is and, you know, the different types, um, some, I think some women can get to this place where like, okay, well, this is it, like bioidentical progesterone, I found the, the you know, the thing that's going to change everything. <sighs> and they try it and they're like, it's not, it's kind of working, it's, it's working in this area, but not in this area, or it's made things worse. So what's going on in that situation? Yeah. Well, if you, if you back up a minute to where I was saying that prior to finding progesterone therapy, I had done years of gut work and mineral balance, literally years. So I think that plays a big part into it. So, you know, treating the progesterone like it's going to solve all your problems, but you still haven't cleaned up your diet. You still have, you still have unmanageable stress levels. You still have, um, you know, uh, you haven't done anything with the, your xenoestrogen exposure. Um, you've not done any work on your gut. These things, these are major factors. And so that's what I've noticed in the group for these years is the people who tend to have the, the most undesirable uh, side effects are people who have, and this is no judgment, no judgment at all. Um, who's to know these things, right? right? This is just an observation is people who are generally on um, antidepressants or ongoing psychoactive drugs um, that have been on them uh, uh, for most of their lives or lo very long periods of time. They have a very difficult time. I think uh, I have a theory on that. It's because, you know, you're trying, you're basically, your endocrine system is hijacked by these drugs. And so right. here you are introducing something and you're trying to hijack it from another, you know, advantage. And it's just, it creates, um, it wreaks a little bit of havoc. Uh, then there are people who have 
you know, who still, who, who don't do any kind of digestive um, enzymes or hydrochloric acid, or they haven't addressed, they don't do probiotics or prebiotics. They have some weight issues as far as, and so their diet is a, is a big issue. Maybe they're drinking alcohol, um, you know, which I think most of us do, but on a, you know, it's not handled. Uh, lots of sugar, lots of processed sugar and processed foods. All of these things uh, make it really hard for progesterone to make a dent in what's going on in your body. So I always recommend if someone, because you can't say wait till you do all of that to these women who are at the end of their rope. Right, right. So what I, I suggest is, you know, try it, start it. Uh, and then after three months of cycling, if you have not seen any progress or if your symptoms exacerbate to the point of intolerance in the fir- when you start it, mm-hmm. clearly that's a red flag. We don't ever want anybody to push past a point of physical, being physically incapable of handling anything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, talk with your doctor and um, also, you know, maybe uh, start to work on those other things. Work on them anyway. That's the first thing people should do is start working on their gut health. And um, so that's part of the problem. Then there's this other really strange thing that because there has not been enough uh, studies on this progesterone and and hormones uh, balancing out women's hormones through this period in their life, we have no idea what's going on. So, when you start, and this is a theory uh, that not, I didn't come up with it, um, it's also anecdotal, like I'm seeing it happen every single time, is when you start dosing progesterone, it stimulates estrogen receptors, and the estrogen receptors either start to, they call it, the, the name that's got, that got developed in the group is called kickback, <laughs> um, estrogen fight back or estrogen kickback, and it's appropriately named because it, it, that's what it feels like. Right. It's, like you're, it's like you're upsetting the estrogen, and the estrogen's right. like, wait a minute, you know? But what's really happening, I think, is that um, this, this, the, because progesterone and estrogen are constantly doing this dance. It's like they're, they're doing the tango, and they take turns leading throughout this throughout the month, um, throughout the day. And that balance is crucial. And uh, so when it's constantly dominating, you've got the estrogen always dominating, and then you introduce more progesterone, there's this uh, period of time where the body has to unload that estrogen uh, or um, the estrogen estrogen receptors just get stimulated and start to dump estrogen. Something like that happens because it exacerbates your symptoms. And almost all the women feel this kickback phase of, um, seems like it's made it worse. It seems like the progesterone's made it worse. So there's this three month period of time that I say anecdotally I've noticed is women go through that. And here's the, the, the trick or the secret is, are you seeing any progress? Mm-hmm. If you are, that's a pretty good indication that you're headed in the right direction. Mm-hmm. If you're not seeing progress, then there's something's being overlooked, something big. And these things should be taken very seriously. You know, if you're bleeding and you, uh, consistently and you start progesterone and the bleeding gets worse and does not stop and you go up and dose and up and dose and it doesn't stop, you, you've got to go to the doctor. There's, right. You cannot overlook that, you know. Absolutely. So that's, I think, the tricky part and the hard part about it is that it, it varies from woman to woman. You know, everyone gets different symptoms. Everyone has a different kickback experience. Right. And um, one of these days, somebody really smart, smarter than me, is going to do, much smarter, is going to do some wonderful studies and find out exactly what what that phase is all about. And I think it's going to look like a massive injection, a massive injection of progesterone for a short period of time to saturate the body with progesterone so that that phase goes away. And I say that because when the women in the group, and I'm not encouraging this, but when the women in the group have done this, and this is what I did, mm-hmm. I just took a chance. I went from like 200 milligrams to 800 milligrams in the course of a, a couple of weeks. Okay. And I was in a state of bliss that I've never known in my life. <laughs> Everything was amazing and fixed. Yeah. And, then, and then I had to start to manage because I knew I couldn't stay at that level. Right. I, knew I, I knew that wasn't normal. And I knew that I had to start to take that, take that opportunity of feeling well to start working out again and start to get everything else back in order. And it worked like a charm. It was amazing. 
That's amazing. I'm so glad to hear, because I knew, you know, bits and pieces of this from being in the group, but it's good to hear your kind of whole story around it. And mm -hmm. I have about eight questions from everything you just said. But the first thing that I, um, I wanted to bring in a question that one of the audience viewers had put out to me. So she was wondering if you can get ovarian cysts from too much bioidentical progesterone. So mm -hmm. do you think um, that I guess in that estrogen kickback time of three months, if that's a possibility for it to happen in there? Yeah, I do. I think that <clears throat> what it seems anecdotally mm -hmm. is that I keep saying that because we don't know. <laughs> no, 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 anecdotally, everyone. Anecdotally, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a scientist, but this is what it looks like. Um, I think what happens is when you are at this point already where you're growing masses in your body, mm -hmm. whether it's a thickened endometrial lining or multiple cysts in PCOS or uh, ovarian cysts, polyps, endometriosis, uh, fibroids, when you're cancerous masses, um, when you're grow when those are already present, you are in a code red. You're already in a place where estrogen, you may not even have high estrogen, but it may just be dominating the heck out of your progesterone, which is virtually non-existent. Mm -hmm. And then your diet, your stress, and all this other stuff is exacerbating it, making it much worse. And then you start progesterone and what did I, you know, what, what happens? It stimulates the estrogen receptors and makes things a little worse before better. So maybe, yeah, that could potentially be happening in that, in that phase is before you reach that progesterone saturation point, it exacerbates what's already going on. I mean, look, there's, there are cases of women getting cancer from doing bioidentical progesterone. I, I can't lie about that. That's, a, that's true. Um, they, a lot of them were also doing estrogen. A lot of them were also doing nothing else. A lot of them had a history. A lot of them had already had cancerous. Um, you know, there's a lot of variables here, but we can't overlook that. We can't. And we, you know, um, you can't do, to, you can, you can overdose on anything. So I do think, and I think it's wise to be very careful and try to find a doctor who is by your side with this because that's going to be the best help. A functional doctor, a naturopathic doctor, find someone who knows about this, mm -hmm. who can walk with you on this journey because it can be dangerous. It's very, very, very rare. But, and I'd love to know all the variables when someone does get cancer, um, but it's there. You know, yeah. so yeah. I, I had an experience that I share often about, um, you know, I was basically hemorrhaging and uh, I had gone down in dose on my progesterone. I'd gone through some stress and I wasn't thinking and I didn't think to raise my dose. And I just uh, started, you know, bleeding even more, ended up with a blood transfusion. It was, it was horrible. But I was like, oh my gosh, my progesterone's too low. That's what's going on. My stress levels got too high. My cortisol started stealing my progesterone. I had a crash and this is what's happening. So I went straight up really, really high in progesterone and had this and just passed all of this endometrial lining. Mm -hmm. I thought I was miscarrying again and it was just this massive release. It's like the progesterone is this catabolic hormone, steroid that, that helps you break down and slough off your, um, your lining. And I was building up, building up, building up. And then the progesterone helped me to release that. Now I've had multiple doctors argue and say, it's impossible, right. but I know what I saw. I know what happened. I, and they were like, you're just having a bad period. I'm like, oh, please. Hey, listen, let it's me tell you. It's a bad period, right? Like that's just, Oh, you're having a bad period. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a significant difference, uh, you know, between a bad period, a miscarriage and this thing that, that, you know, I passed. So, yeah. you know, there's a lot of crazy things that can happen. Our bodies are amazing and they're just really, they're really trying very hard to heal and to, to find balance and homeostasis. And, and I think progesterone is one of those yin yang, like, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff. Well, here's a perfect example. Estrogen is is uh, acidic and inflammatory. It's mm -hmm. needed. It's needed in the body. Right. Progesterone is uh, anti-inflammatory and it's alkaline. To mm -hmm. you know, it's so it's like we need them both. Yeah. But you know, one little nanogram. I think that's the measurement of estrogen equals six hundred nanograms of progesterone. Right. That's how heavy. That's how strong estrogen is. Wow. Balance those two out. It's like. 
you know, it's amazing. So yeah. And it's kind of like the Goldilocks effect, right. To find the proper balance. Yeah, exactly. For sure. Um, one thing that came up for me when you were talking about, you know, gut health and it kind of, uh, showed up a couple of times in what you were saying. Um, Dr. Carrie Jones has this analogy that I love about, um, liver detox, right. And that essentially, um, you know, there's phase one and phase two of liver detox. And then phase three is really your colon, right. You're mm. getting the, the estrogen out of your body. And she says, you know, really you have to work backwards. You have to make sure your phase three is working. Yeah. You really upregulate phase one and phase two. So it's like a bathtub and you know, the bathtub is phase one and, um, the drain, the water going down the drain is phase two. And then your sewage system is phase three. So if, if phase three is messed up, it's all going right back up, no matter how clean your bathtub is and how clean your pipes are. Right. Yeah. So I think that's so important. I think so many women can skip over that. Like, yeah, you know, my digestion's fine and they go to the bathroom once every three or four days, you know, yeah. or, um, just or once of, a day with a cup of coffee, right, you know, they right. had a cup of coffee to have one bowel movement. That's right, the, exactly. Constipation. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, we've just not been taught how important it is for our bowels to be moving, you know, and for it to be a certain consistency and for everything to kind of be working so that you can get that excess estrogen out because like yeah. with the xenoestrogens, I mean, those are all over the place. We can't stay away from those really. I mean, we can limit mm-hmm. our exposure, but it's still going to come in. And then if you're not properly getting it out, it's just going to recirculate in your body. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a great analogy. The bathtub. I love that. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, there's the micro, the, the microbes in our gut. So it's not just that we have motility and that things are moving, but it's also that we have microbes in our bowel that eat estrogen. They actually help us process that estrogen. So if you have gut dysbiosis, if you have SIBO, if you've got a bunch of gut-related imbalances that are not being addressed, um, you know, you probably have a lot of those bacteria that you need that are missing. And so not only do you not have motility, but you don't have those bacteria. And so it's just this whole recycling system. And then you take something like DIM, like diandolmethane, and you wonder why you get worse. And people, you know, and so many medical experts and doctors and practitioners are like, oh, you've got high estrogen? Take DIM, take DIM. And it's like that, that has nothing to do with excretion and elimination of estrogen that only has to do with conversion and even that isn't always what's happening so when someone has these issues and then they take dim and there's so many variables and they're like i'm getting worse it's confusing and it's a perfect place to start dr carrie jones is amazing start at the gut start with that first and start working your way towards phase one for sure that's cool yeah. And so on that note, and I just have to say a strobalone because I love that word. I'm like, <laughs> I just want to say it all the time. Anyway. The only one I can say is <laughs> all the other ones, the etocolianone and oh my gosh. I get that. I'm like, I can spell <laughs> those things out. Um, but, you know, um, in terms of really things like DIM um, and uh, calcium glucurate, do you really recommend doing a Dutch test before you start supplementing with those? Well, I probably should have said this from the very beginning of this discussion is always, and I've always been an advocate. You can, I promise you can search from the beginning of the estrogen group. I have always said all diagnostic information is going to be useful. Mm. All of it, Mm -hmm. the serum blood labs, the, you know, uh, hormone labs, mineral labs, um, what's your iron like, what's your gut mapping like, um, all of these things are great. And I was thrilled to hear about the Dutch test, which is why I jumped in so quickly to that. And in fact, I'm going to the Dutch Fest at the beginning of October in Portland. Fun. Just so, yeah, you should come. <laughs> just so that I can, you know, um, get as proficient as possible with this because I think it's really one of those things for us, for women that are, is, and men can take it as well, of course, but one of those things that's going to open up the doors and starting to open up the doors and give us answers to know exactly what is, what is going on with us. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, I encourage everyone to get tests. Um, I didn't before I started progesterone therapy. I went off my symptoms and it's because of the progesteronetherapy.com website, um, which Ray was the woman who uh, used to, who, who 
who uh, made NatPro, the progesterone NatPro, progesterone cream. Um, and her website's tremendous. It has so much research in it. And I'm super sad that she's gone because she passed away because, um, you know, that research needs to be continual, continuous yeah. in order to stay on top of everything. But it is so good. I mean, she's got like 8,700 pages of, of, of information on that website that you can link to. Um, but I was going off of that. I was going off my symptoms and how I was feeling. And I was so incredibly in tune with my body and my hormones and, and cause I had been doing so much work on my own health that I knew when things weren't right. I knew when I knew what was going on. So I don't advocate that, but that's what I was doing. And then I ended up going to get labs after that. And, and then I did the Dutch and it was amazing. It was really helpful to show me how, you know, undetectable my testosterone was. Right. So again, you've got this progesterone that's like, you know, trickling down to it's as a precursor to other things. It's needed in so many ways and, and on its own, it's needed as, you know, as like, uh, like we were talking about with the inflammation in the body and the brain and this anti, um, antioxidant properties and everything. So when it trickles down, um, it's needed in all these ways. And cortisol is one of the big ones. Mm -hmm. And that uh, is one of those categories in the group, as you know, of women who, you know, convert it to cortisol because they're in such demand of cortisol for all kinds of reasons. And that makes it um, complicated. So when you do the Dutch, you can see, are, is my cortisol a problem? Is my testosterone a problem? Am I methylating? Am I recycling my estrogen? You know, what are, all of these markers are super, I mean, I think it's an incredible, incredible investment for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I had had access to it ages ago. Um, because I think the price is really uh, um, reasonable for w the information that you're getting. Right. And the trick, of course, is finding a practitioner who's really, really good at helping you through that. So yeah, I do recommend it. Yeah. And I mean, I, I just want to piggyback on that. You know, I think what ends up happening a lot of times, and I've done plenty of, um, you know, healing myself over the years and like doing the research and everything. But you know, sometimes when I look back, I'm like the amount I spent just on supplements, you know, mm -hmm. to think about, okay, jumping. And if you can, I understand that everybody can make that investment up front, but if you can make the investment to get the Dutch done and to see, you know, a practitioner that knows how to read it, you're actually going to pretty much probably save money in the long run because yeah. you're trying all these different things for a long time and that adds up and we don't necessarily think about that, you know? Yeah. Maybe and you might even need less progesterone because we know right. how expensive that can be. Right. Know specifically what your progesterone levels are. I mean, I've had women that I thought were had no progesterone, and they do the debt, the Dutch, and I was like, "Wow, you actually do! You're just converting it all." Mm -hmm. So we need if we need to work on that first. We need to work on mineral balance so that you can handle these infections that you're dealing with, and we need to work on you know your gut health so that we can uh, get keep you from recycling. And and sometimes it's all that was needed, and then we're like, you know what? You don't even need progesterone. Yeah. Yeah. And that's happened a lot more than I thought it ever would. Yeah. I thought for sure anyone over 38 was going right. to need progesterone for the rest of their lives, but it's not the case. And yeah. that Dutch test is really helpful for that. Well, it's, it's, you know, definitely just a good reminder that so many of us tend to be low on minerals or have mineral imbalances because of yeah. all the things, right? The food, the way that we live our lives, the stress and everything. And, and I'm so glad that you've brought that up several times because I want women to understand how important that is. Yeah. I mean, you can't even absorb the vitamins and uh, nutrients from your food without minerals. Right. You, you know, you can't even absorb the vitamins from the supplements you're yeah. taking without minerals, without mineral balance. Yeah. It's um, it's crucial. It's It's crucial and it's probably harder, I think, than the gut health. I yeah. think it's more difficult because, yeah. you know, we've got this component that you and I have talked about and heard and goes on and on in the group in regards to toxic levels of iron in the, and stored in the, the tissues of the body, including the uterus, which could be contributing to these masses. And this is the, you know, Morley Robbins work, which is starting to look like it's, uh, to me, looking like a huge factor. And that could be why it's so hard to balance minerals is because of, of this particular problem. Um, whereas gut health, if you focus on it, you'll do it. If you focus on your gut health, it can take up to two years to get complete and full total remediation of the gut, but you can do it. It's right. not like a mystery, you yeah. know? Yeah. 
Well, and as you're talking, I was thinking about, you know, my own experience um, with having an ostomy through my fibroid surgery gone wrong and how interesting it was because I think obviously Western medicine, allopathic medicine doesn't tend to think about minerals and, you know, gut health that much. But while I had my ostomy, you know, they're very clear, like, you know, you need to do like vitamin patches or you need to get IV vitamins because you're not absorbing vitamins and minerals in the same way when you have an ostomy, right? They get that <laughs> when you have an ostomy. Like, so what, it's amazing to me that they're like, oh, if, you know, if your colon is normal, if everything's working, you're fine. It's Interesting, like, yeah. no, you know, so you guys have this idea that we need, you know, that there's certain parts of your digestive system that absorb certain things and that these minerals are really important for your general health, much less like mental and emotional health, you know, and yet that's not focused on if you go to the doctor, right? Right, right. Not at all, you know? Yeah. I can only assume that that's because they're, you know, it's like tunnel vision um, is where you're just seeing, um, you know, it's not their job or it's not their, their, it's not in their wheelhouse or their scope of practice to be like, huh, this, per, you know, it could be all the stress you're dealing with and this emotional turmoil you've lived with your whole life for whatever reason that could be causing you to have malabsorption. It's right. like not thinking about that stuff. They're yeah. thinking of, okay, you've got, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a gastroenterologist. I'm dealing with crisis and trauma and we fix that. Now we know you're not going to absorb your minerals and nutrients. So we better, like, it's not, for them to think outside of that box, I guess. Right. There's no like leaping over to connect to regular people or whatever. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I guess that that's what I blame it on. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, we're seeing that so many people either try and figure this stuff out themselves, obviously, or people flocking to functional medicine practitioners or, you know, acupuncturists, um, alternative practitioners of whatever sort because they're not getting healing through the traditional routes, right? And so right. I think I think we're going to come to that point where, I mean, I hope we come to that point where um, doctors in general will start to see like, okay, we do need to make these bridges happen. Like if mm -hmm. I really care about my patients and want them to get better. Yeah, I do know some doctors that are like that, but they're general practitioners, so yeah. they're not specializing in, you know, like like the gut or gastroenterologists or anything like that. And so they have the capacity to kind of see the global human, you know, and they also see where things aren't working. They see where people are taking, they're putting people on antacids and, you know, uh, um, PPIs and SSRIs and all these things. And they're like, wow, they're not getting better. In fact, they're worse. And now they're on blood pressure meds. And now they've got high blood pressure stuff that and they see it snowballing into bigger issues and i have worked with a few doctors who are like yeah no we're going to we're going to get you off of these things and mm -hmm. this is how we're going to do it but i need you to see my nutritionist in order for you to you know cuz it's not my scope of practice to put you on a diet but let's do that and mm -hmm. so the, there i think that's starting to become a thing and i also think that a lot of doctors i'm hearing people um through the grapevine, I'll have a client come and say, oh, my doctor said that I should uh, work, I should take some probiotics. And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. Make yeah. it mainstream, right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so that's cool. But of course, now they're, again, they're behind the times now because now we know that not all probiotics survive yeah. the gastric yeah. like that you have to be on top of it. And when you've spent all your, your money and your life in medical school and now you're in practice and you've got five minutes per patient thanks to health insurance and, and all of that, when do they have time to sit right. down and say, okay, what's going on with gut health in the microbiome world these days? You know, right. they don't have that kind of yeah. time. So I'm looking to the microbiologists of the world to save us all yeah. because the ones that are not funded by Big Pharma, but the ones that are doing their own work and um, who are genuinely wanting to find answers, and I've had a few of them on my podcast, they're amazing. Yeah. They're like, you know, discovering these spore-based probiotics and they're discovering, you know, a fecal microbiota transplants and they're, they're looking for 
they're going to be the doctors of the future where they're going to say, I mean, we already have it with companies like Sun Genomics where mm -hmm. they're saying, look, you send us a sample of your poop. We'll customize a probiotic for you. Which Done. is amazing. That's amazing. incredible. Yeah. And yeah. I want to thank you for having these people on your podcast because I learned so much about it and I feel like I really got you know, I've done some digging on my own since then, but educated on score-based probiotics. Yeah. Because I was like, well, I got a gut to repair, <laughs> you know, yeah. I lost my colon. And so um, that's, yeah, it's such important work. And, and it's funny because my, the um, surgeon who worked on my colon, he was like, yeah, definitely take probiotics afterwards. But, you know, he didn't know anything beyond that, you know, which I didn't yeah. know. But um, so it's stuff that we really have to keep up with what the latest is happening, right? And obviously microbiologists are going to know. Yeah, they, they do. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting also that you, you know, you're so young to have gone through that. And, um, but I know so many people who have and who, you know, I'm seeing it, like seeing colon cancer and really young women and men. And um, it's scary. Mm -hmm. And I just, I know that this can't just be life now. You know, it has, there has to be, well, it is life now, right? right. It, there's, there are these new factors that are not being dealt with. And, and I think that this, this, the whole microbiology concept of getting behind um, the research so that we can have answers that are really effective and useful to help remediate our bodies, because that's what's happening. Is yeah. We're just losing, we're losing our diversity in our guts, and yeah. that is, is causing us to not be able to fight anything. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh my God. I could ask you a million other questions. There's like so much I could talk to you about. I do want to ask you one last thing um, okay. because it was another audience question and okay. that was really interesting. Um, she said that she has tried taking bioidentical progesterone and eliminating xenoestrogens and it caused her mood to go haywire and she immediately felt fine once she stopped. Is this something other people experience and what's the cause? Yeah. Great question. Yeah, it's a great question because it's so common and it goes back to that estrogen kickback mm -hmm. thing where it's, and it could, I'm not saying it is, I'm just saying that it's probably, I see the biggest mistakes I see are that people have too low of a dose mm -hmm. and that they're not consistent. So they think that they're in it. So, you know, I've separated these two in my group. Uh, this is what developed over time. Uh, was progesterone therapy and progesterone maintenance and mm -hmm. trying to figure out which category you were in. And the progesterone maintenance are women who don't have severe imbalance, who they just feel like their periods maybe are a little heavy or they're not very regular and maybe they have um, low libido or uh, they're spotted, they're having a defective luteal phase, they're spotting in between um, their periods. And that that sounds to me, and usually is a woman who, and they're probably younger, who could probably do the, um, and I say younger, like before 35 maybe, and maybe they haven't had children. Uh, they, they could do maintenance. They mm -hmm. could do where you cycle it during your, um, during your luteal phase. You start taking it around ovulation, and then you stop once you start to bleed. And bleeding is red blood flow. Mm -hmm. uh, not just spotting, not just brown, whatever. It's red blood flow. That's day one. And you stop for that time. Um, you stop the progesterone. Mm -hmm. And then the, the therapy is the one we were talking about before where you basically do high doses all month long. And these are women who have PCOS, women who are incapacitated by their hormone issues. Mm -hmm. and, and maybe they're functioning, but they are, you know, heavy, heavy bleeders. They are heavy cramping. You know, they can't work because of migraines, because of, you know, uh, they have infertility issues. Though that list is long. Mm -hmm. And those women generally are candidates for the, ther the, for the progesterone therapy. Mm -hmm. And that dose can be anywhere from 200 milligrams to 800. I, we know people in the group and I did never suggested it and I never advocated for it. <laughs> But 1,200, 1,800 milligrams of progesterone a day who are blissed out and really happy. Um, um, let's, let's do this. <laughs> I know, right? Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a precarious situation that needs medical care as well if you're going to be doing stuff like that. Good luck finding a doctor who's going to advocate right. that. But, right. So, um, but, um, so that can vary from woman to woman and to, and, and so the going back to the different mistakes that I think women are making is one, they're, they're, the dose is too low mm -hmm. and two, they are 
in the mate, they're doing maintenance when they should be doing therapy. And so they're stopping. Or they're saying, oh, you know, I did it on this day right before my period and I noticed that I got a headache, so I stopped. And then I started again three days later because the headache went away. And they have these. um, And so I say, if you do it inconsistently, you're going to get inconsistent results for sure. Um, Sorry, that's my dog losing her marbles in the back. I hope it's not too loud. Not too loud at all, yeah. Yeah, Good. And uh, (laughs) she's barking at somebody outside or a squirrel or something. So anyway, so so that I think those are the two big mistakes. So um, I think that it's possible that – this that this person that asked the question uh that it's not right for her that's the other thing i haven't said it might not be right for you mm-hmm. it, it might not progesterone might not be right for you it might not be the right time for you you may not need it you might have other bigger fish to fry going on in your body before you can address that um and that could have been the case with her but my guess is that it was too low of a dose and she wasn't consistent enough and when she did have um, things get worse. She didn't go up in dose, which is one of the things about progesterone therapy that is recommended in the progesterone therapy um, website is that, you know, when you have a symptom, you go up, you go up in dose. And that can vary too. It can be 20 milligrams. It can be 50 milligrams. Mm. Um, I, when I started, just to give people a little idea, I started it and I immediately had a migraine. Um, I immediately, ha- but it stopped my bleeding right away mm. within a couple of days. But I had a migraine. I had my panic attacks got worse. I got really depressed. I remember waking up one day just looking at the carpet and just sitting there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this, this has to be the progesterone. It has to be the progesterone. Go up in dose. I had melasma across my forehead that was in the shape of Africa and um, just got darker and darker and darker and darker. And I remember crying to my husband and saying, what, what do I do now? I'm going to, okay, I'm not bleeding anymore, but now I'm slightly disfigured. And now I have, you know, I'm depressed and I'm thinking about suicide and what I don't, I can't win. And he was like, go up and dose. (laughs) He was like, you know, we, he read, he sat there while I read these pages of, of research to him and Ray's opinion about stuff like this. And, and then other women that I knew that were doing mega dosing. And, and he was like, you, if you're going to do it, do it. Yeah. You know, you cannot take on something and do it willy-nilly with one foot out the door because it, it, you're going to have a problem with it. You're going to yeah. have results like that. Absolutely. So if it wasn't for him, I would have given up and probably had a hysterectomy by now. Wow. But he, you know, he didn't. He was like, look, re- follow the rules. Yeah. <laughs> He's such a rule follow. He's like, follow the rules. <laughs> if you're going to do it, do it right. Do it. And so, and that's what the difference was. So that's what I think is, is going on most of the time. Thank you for that answer. Yeah. It was really helpful. So, oh my God, this has been so incredible. I yeah. love every minute of it. And it's so wonderful to be able to, you know, talk to you directly about these things. It's like putting all the pieces together. So is there anything that is coming up that you want to let you know people know about? Yes. Um, I, well, I want to just say to you that, um, you know, you, you sent me the message inviting me to do this and you seemed surprised that I said, yes, maybe I seem busier than I, I am or something. I don't know. But I, I jump at the chance to, to talk about this stuff because, you know, I have been at such a loss with medical the medical community when it comes to female hormones. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm so upset with, there's so many doctors out here. Like there's a, a Dr. Prudence Hall here who's been an advocate for women's health and natural healing and BHRT who got in trouble, had her license suspended for a while because she was doing BHRT with people. And, and, um, she had, you know, prescribed that some women go uh, over the top with with overdosing on it, and mm-hmm. and I I'm so frustrated about that because, you know, she may or may not have been right, but how often does the medical community mess up with people's right. health? So like, not the third leading cause of death in America is our medical, you know, uh, care system, <laughs> right? Okay, and so the fact that this woman is adv- and now she's blackballed. Now people are looking at her, and the, you know they look at um, Suzanne Summers, and they look right. at these people who are advocating for let's do the research. You know, don't leave it to me. Then don't right. leave it to this health practitioner, podcast person. Don't leave it to me. Then mm-hmm. go out and do it. Put some money towards this stuff and help women figure out how to 
you know, either injected at home or get intravenous injections or suppositories are readily available. The FDA is shutting down anybody who is coming up with ideas to do suppositories themselves because God forbid we stick our fingers in our own bodies. Like, right. oh my God, you know, yeah, yeah. the fact that we have you know, digital tampons is a shock to me. Yeah. It's like, how'd that get by them? You know? Yeah, right? yeah. So I am so happy that you did this summit. I'm going to share it to every single person and every outlet that I have. And go girl is all I have to say to you about that. Cause I think it's really badly needed. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, thank you. Yeah. So what do I have coming up? Nothing really. I mean, I'm always just plugging away. I've got my podcast, which I love all the support. I really, really would love anybody who listens to leave reviews because that's how they do well and get heard more with the algorithm. Even if it's a bad review, the more you review it, the more it gets uh, attention. Uh, follow me on healthygutgirl underscore on Instagram. That's where all my mini blogs are. All my information gets put in there. All the discount codes I have for shopping. Uh, Ona's has discount code. Everything I mention, I beg them for discount code so that everybody who's investing in their health can get a discount in some way. Um, and just that's really it. I've got my two books out and those are on Amazon. You can look up Kitty Martone author and you'll see those there. Um, yeah. So just a plug in away. Well, thank you again for this amazing, incredible interview. I know so many people will get so much from it. Um, and hopefully, you know, we'll listen to it again and again because there was such good information in there. So my pleasure, my pleasure. Thank you so much. All right, you guys, thank you so much for being with us today. We have one more day left. So be sure to check your email tomorrow for the final interview in the 2019 hormone summit. I'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.